Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves, and in today's show, I'm going to do something completely different. My company, Strack Press, would like to offer a platform to short story and flash fiction writers. For today's short story, Strack Press presents Warm Springs by Michael Kilman. The car door slammed behind me. I jumped, but the tall trees caught the sound and softened it as if they stood craving noise in their looming silence. It was a cold night for June, and my breath glimmered in the damp of the Oregon air. I looked up, and through the moonlight, fog clung in uneven clumps around the tops of the trees. Here and there, Patches of stars hinted their presence, but they weren't a sure thing. Betty stepped up behind me. Wow, look at the place. She was a short girl with long blonde hair and brown eyes. She'd never been to Oregon before, never seen what the dense forest was like at night. Her headlamp cut through the darkness, a searchlight navigating wonders. Eric put his hand on my shoulder. He was taller than me by a head and wider by a foot. He had a hell of a gut on him, and the whole drive up, Biddy teased him that he would take up the whole of the hot spring himself. Man, thanks for showing us this place. It's cool already. How long's the hike? He threw his backpack over his shoulder, and I grabbed my towel from the trunk. We clicked on our headlamps. I shrugged. About two miles in, not far. Eric said, And it's just open 24-7? Yeah, it's part of a national park. It's a bit remote and semi-secret, but it's always open. Should we bring our phones? Asked Eric. No, look at them. There's never any signal here. Betty said, So cool. I've never been to a natural hot spring before. Is everyone naked? Eric said, Naked? You didn't say anything about that. Dude, are you just looking for an excuse to see my girlfriend nude? I grinned. Yep. I gave Betty a wink. She smiled back. For a moment, Eric looked at the two of us, his face pale, his eyes wider than his mouth. Then, after a moment, he laughed. You got me, man. Okay? You got me. I chuckled though, admittedly, I did have a bit of a thing for Betty. I would never go behind my buddy's back. How come you didn't bring that one chick? asked Eric. Which one? He laughed at that. The only one who's given you any attention in like five years. Laura? Yeah. I shrugged. It's complicated with her. Come on, let's walk. The trail's just ahead. We cut through the dense air to the trailhead. Above it, just where the trees parted, was the sign, Welcome to Warm Springs. The sign was tattered and old. Trails of mist teased its edges and swirled around it. I passed the sign, and behind me both Betty and Eric followed, holding hands. Betty said, When you say complicated, it means she went back to her old boyfriend again, and I'm tired of it. There was silence. 
only the sound of our footsteps against the soft dirt. Sorry, man. I told you she was trouble. She's not trouble. She's just confused. She can't make up her mind. Again, that silence. It was too silent, though. There were no animal noises, no car, nothing. The whole world was on mute, except for us. The first chills climbed my arms, and with it, a feeling in my gut that we should turn around before it was too late. Betty broke the silence. So, are we going to be naked in front of each other? I turned my head and glanced back at her. She had a big grin on her face. Because, David, if we are, I'm charging you. I laughed. Eric didn't. Nah, only if you want to be. Besides, there are several private stalls, but listen. I stopped and turned to both of them. Nothing soundproof, all right? Eric didn't make eye contact with me. It was bad enough I had to hear those two go at it all week. I wasn't interested in hearing it out here. I was looking forward to a soak. It had been a while, and I loved this place. I was also hoping maybe there were some other people around to meet. Despite the late night, there were usually a few people soaking on any given day. I turned and walked again. That unsettling feeling climbed up in my belly and with it a sense of tension, as if my skin was a little too tight. Later, I would wish I had listened to that feeling. Later, as the nightmares came, night after night, I would wish that I had never let these two talk me into driving them a hundred miles in the middle of the night to the hot spring. Betty said, Does anyone else feel like it just got ten degrees colder? I turned my head around and looked at her. She was wearing a strapless top, and even in the dim light I could see the goose flesh climbing her shoulders and neck. Here. Eric, still walking, opened his pack and pulled out a light jacket and handed it to her. Thanks, honey. She pecked him on the mouth. I turned forward again and stopped cold. My whole body shuddered. There, hovering in front of me, was a leering face, all smiles and white teeth. Deep lines etched the mouth and eyes. Sockets too deep. Jesus, I said. I stumbled backward right into Betty and fell on top of her. My eyes locked on that face. I couldn't look away at the gray eyes staring back at me. And so, even then, it took me a moment to realize I was only staring at a poster, only staring at a black and white sketch of a pale-skinned man with a strange grin on his face. Damn, David, if you wanted on top of me so bad, you should have said something. Betty was underneath me. I wasn't big like her boyfriend. He was twice my size, but I was still aware that I was larger than she was. Jeez, I'm sorry. I picked myself up off the ground, and Eric reached down and helped her up. Are you all right? Eric looked up at the poster and then at me and started laughing. Damn, man, that thing scared the shit out of you, didn't it? Betty didn't join in. I could see what made him jump, Eric. What, a sketch of someone's face? She shook her head. It's creepy, and look what it says, too. It makes it extra creepy. I hadn't noticed the rest of the writing, just those eyes, those gray pencil-shaded eyes and those white teeth. In my mind, I thought, demon teeth. I tried to push the thought away, but I couldn't. 
It clung to me the way the fog clung to the trees. I stepped closer to read it. Eric did the same. In big capital letters above the face, it read, Missing. My eyes drifted down across that face. It was hard to look away from it, hard to read the letters. Something about that creepy stare was hypnotic, but I forced my eyes downward and read the text. Have you seen me? Andrew Thompson was last seen on this trail on the night of May 13th. If you have any leads to his whereabouts, please contact Georgia Thompson. Below were an email address and a number. Eric said, May 13th, wasn't that the night of the big storm? I nodded. Betty said, what big storm? Eric replied, there was a huge storm in the area, knocked down a whole bunch of trees and closed the highways leading up here. Hell, even in Portland, it tore down a bunch of trees. Betty said, you think he died that night? I didn't want to answer that. I had been up here a dozen times before with different people, but the place never made me feel like it did tonight. Eric said, funny, tonight's the 13th. Betty gave him a dirty look. Um, no, it's the 12th. Eric held up his watch and pointed. Not now it ain't. His watch read 12-12, and next to it said, Friday, June 13th. Betty said, You're a dick. <laughs> what? Come on, you know that sounds creepy. Friday the 13th. This poster, that storm. Are you trying to freak me out? No, just... But he didn't say another word. I said, Come on, it's not much further. Maybe we should just go home, Betty said. Eric said, come on, it was three hours to drive up here and you want to turn back? I thought we were going to watch the sun rise up here. This was news to me. I thought we were going to stay a few hours, but of course the lovebirds wanted to stay till sunrise. I don't care about the sunrise, Eric. I told you it wasn't fair to David to make him wait here all night. Besides... This place is creeping me out. Eric looked to me for support. I overwhelmingly agreed with Betty that something felt wrong here, but something in me resisted that feeling. No, Eric's right. We drove a long way to get here. We don't have to stay long, but you should at least see the springs. Betty frowned. I could feel that frown in me, feel my own disappointment at not turning back. Why couldn't I have just agreed with her. I wanted to, but I couldn't make the words come. Eric said, besides, he wrapped his big arms around Betty, you got me. Her face only lifted into a half smile, as if it was the most difficult thing in the world to offer even that. She stared at me, pleading with me. There was something in those brown eyes that begged me to reconsider. Instead, I turned and kept walking. We wound around the trail for a few minutes in silence. I started to feel better, that maybe I was letting myself get worked up like a little kid. The air even felt a little warmer now, and it was only a few hundred more yards to the hot springs. Then I turned the bend, and another poster stared at me. It was a perfect copy, and my blood chilled. Betty gasped. Eric, seeing the poster, rolled his eyes at the both of us, walked over and tugged on it. 
It didn't move. It was stapled around all the edges. Betty said, Stop! Don't touch that! Eric said, It's just a stupid piece of paper. Both of you need to chill the hell out. He reached up with both hands and tore it. He couldn't pull it down in one quick motion. Instead, he took a moment to tear it, a chunk or two at a time. Even then, the teeth of the staples kept scraps of paper pinned to the tree. Betty put her hand on my arm. Are you all right? I looked down at her hand. My whole body was shaking. Her hand was warm and seemed to steady me. I opened my mouth to say something, but nothing came out. Eric said, He's fine. It's just a stupid poster. He grabbed Betty a little too forcefully and pulled her forward to start walking again. I paused for a moment and stared at the scraps of paper he left on the ground. There was that stillness. The scraps were already damp from the thick air but sat frozen as if there were no breeze. I traced my way up the trunk to their origin and stared at the space where the paper was. The staples looked like teeth grinning at me, bits of flesh stuck after a meal. I swallowed hard and followed my friends. Betty didn't say another word. She kept glancing back at me, kept trying to catch my eyes, but I couldn't look at her. Eric tugged at her several times when she slowed. Around the next bend was another poster and then another. I counted each one until we reached the structure that housed the entrance to the spring. There were nine posters on the path, including the one that Eric tore down, and four more stapled against the log siding of the building. The building, usually a warm and welcoming sight after the two miles of trail, looked drab and old. Normally when I arrived, I could hear laughter or talking or some other sign of life. There was nothing. Not even the wind stirred. No animal noises. Even the sound of the stream that ran alongside the spring was flat and barely audible. Eric said, Wow, this place is pretty cool. David, you want to give us a tour? I shrugged. There wasn't a lot to the place. He didn't need a tour. But somehow I felt like he was trying to make up for grabbing Betty and pulling her away from me. We walked to the left. Down the row, I showed them the six rooms that all stood open. Inside of each was a hollowed-out log from one of the big trees nearby. The logs were the shape of an extra-large bathtub, and each had two pipes running into them. One pipe was water from the cold stream running nearby, and the other was spring water. I showed them how the doors locked, but that the other end of the room was open, guarded only by a rail and overlooking a small ravine. If you two go nude, someone can see you across the way there, though I've never had that happen. Betty asked, Are you going naked? Eric shot her a look. What? Her tone was sharp this time. It's just a question. Eric said nothing, but I knew that look on his face. When Betty went home next week, he and I would argue about her and what my intentions were. Of course, he was my friend and my roommate. I had no intentions, but he was an insecure prick sometimes. I said, yes, but I'm going in the room furthest away from you two. Come on, I'll show you the public pools. We walked a little further up the trail, and there, under a makeshift canopy, were three large wooden pools. Each one was like a giant hot tub that could accommodate a dozen or more people.
Eric said, Nice, maybe we'll have to have a party up here one day, huh? I just nodded. I knew I was going to have to walk past those posters again to get to the room farthest away from the couple. I didn't feel like I could relax anymore, that the soak wasn't going to be pleasant. It just felt so cold outside. I looked at the two of them and said, All right, enjoy. I'll head over to do my own thing. Betty said, Why don't we all just wear our suits and go in the public one and hang out together? For a moment, I thought that Eric was going to say something, but instead, he just shrugged. I didn't bring a suit, I said. Betty said, Well, maybe just go in one of the other public tubs next to us or something? Her voice shook. Eric looked at her for a moment, but this time there was no anger in his gaze. There was something else. Maybe concern? Maybe he realized how scared she was. Eric said, Yeah, man, if you want to hang out in the public area, it's cool. We'll keep our backs turned. It occurred to me that Eric must have realized he made a mistake and was in hot water with Betty. I looked at them both. I thought about having to cross back in front of those posters and how it would make me feel. I thought about splitting up and being alone in this place, even if it was just a few rooms over. My guts squirmed. But then I looked at the couple standing before me, and I thought about how Eric was going to confront me later, and how if I stuck with them, it would probably be worse. Thanks, but I was looking forward to just relaxing on my own for a bit. Betty frowned. Okay, well, look, we'll go in the room right next to you, okay? I looked at her and then at Eric. It occurred to me that I probably didn't have to worry about any noises. Betty was shivering, and I suspected it was more than just the cold. Okay, fair enough. You guys go in the very end here. I indicated the one closest to us. And I'll go in the one right next door, okay? Eric said, Cool, man. Even he seemed a little relieved. Maybe something was bothering him about this place, too. The compromise was good. It meant I didn't have to go back in front of those posters until we were all ready to leave. I walked into the stall and shut and locked the door behind me. I could hear the couple do the same, and I started the process of mixing the water. It took me a few moments to find a perfect temperature, and then I plugged the tub with a rubber stopper and watched it fill. I disrobed and felt the cool night air on my skin. It started to feel good again. The steam of the water rose and thickened as the tub filled, and I swung my foot over the ancient tree corpse and slid down into the water. As it filled and the warmth overtook me, I relaxed. I put my hands behind my head and took a few deep breaths. I looked out over the small ravine. There was still plenty of fog, but now peeking through it was the light of the half-moon. As the fog swirled and moved, the light cast strange shadows on the other side. It was hypnotic and beautiful. David? said Betty. I snapped out of my trance. Yeah? We can't seem to get the thing to work right. Can you come over for a minute? I sighed. I'm already in the tub. What's wrong? Eric said, Both sides are coming out hot. Maybe one of the pipes are busted. Why don't you try the room on the other side? Eric said, Oh, yeah, good idea. I rolled my eyes. Why couldn't they have thought of that before asking me? 
I could hear them moving from one door to another and settle on the opposite wall. They talked in low murmurs, and I was grateful they were trying to keep it down. I stared out over the ravine again and watched the dance of light and shadow. Eric said, This side's working. Thanks, buddy. I didn't respond. Instead, I just closed my eyes and relaxed, taking the crisp night air into my lungs. On the other side of the wall, I could hear some splashing for a moment, and then stillness. There were a few soft murmurs through the wall, and then nothing. I watched the steam of the hot water rise above my body, and I closed my eyes again, taking in the warmth. I slid a little deeper in the water so that only my face was above it. Water filled my ears, and I let my body relax. I lost track of time for a while. The soap consumed me, as it always did when I came here. Later, I would wonder if I fell asleep or not. There was a loud banging on the door behind me. I sat bolt upright, the water leaving my ears. Hey, man, this isn't funny. You okay in there? What? I said, what's up? There was a sigh behind the door. You weren't answering. We got a little worried. Sorry, I didn't hear you. I had my head mostly underwater. So you didn't see them? A cold chill ran up me and overrode the warmth of the hot water. Suddenly I was bathing in ice, though the water still steamed. See? See who? Betty's voice came through the door. It was just above a whisper. The man! Peeping on us! What? I didn't attempt to keep my voice low. She said, The man across the ravine! He's looking at us! What man? But as my eyes skimmed the ravine, I caught the glimmer of movement on the edges of one of the patches of fog. There was something there. It was the clear outline of a person only a few hundred yards distant. They walked straight along the ridge of the other side, just on the edge of the fog. I swallowed hard and stood up. The cold night air wrapped my body. Betty said, There's a trail over there, right? Like sometimes people come from that direction? It was a plea. I didn't know how to answer. And the dozen or so times I had been down here, I had never seen someone come up on the other side. Not that it was impossible, but in the dead of night, would someone be out there exploring? No, I don't think there's a trail over there, but that doesn't mean someone couldn't have hiked over there. In the distance, it changed direction. It came toward us. As it descended into the ravine, it disappeared and reappeared several times in the fog. Betty said, Let's go, guys. I don't like this. Who would explore the forest in the middle of the night and in the fog? Eric said, Yeah, maybe we soaked long enough. All right, let me get dressed real quick and we can head back down the trail toward the car. I pulled the plug to drain the water. It only took me a moment to dry off with my towel and pull on my clothes and shoes, and when I opened the door, I saw them standing there, stone still, watching the ravine from outside their own door, fully clothed and eager to go. Betty said, I know I'm just silly, but I'm not having fun anymore. All right, I said, that's fair, and I'm not anymore either. Let's go. We started back on the two-mile trail toward the car. We walked at a brisk pace. I led the way, Betty was in the middle, and Eric pulled up the rear. I noticed they weren't holding hands anymore. The fog thickened, and the moon and stars disappeared. 
all was a thick obscuration that not even our flashlights could penetrate. Often the light bounced back at us. Betty stopped and glanced back. Did you hear that? All of us froze, listening. I couldn't hear anything except the beat of my own heart in my ears. What did you hear? Betty looked at me. It sounded like footsteps or something. Eric said, Maybe it was just the echo of our own. In response, twigs snapped behind us. All three of us jumped. We looked at each other. Maybe it's just that guy we saw heading back to his car, I said. Betty said, David, do you remember any other cars in the parking lot when we got here? I thought hard about it. I hadn't noticed. But the more I thought about it, the more I was certain there wasn't. No. Betty said, maybe we should run. Another twig snapped behind us. I could feel the fear climbing up my spine. There was an ache in my belly and my heart pounded. Eric said, I don't think running in this fog is a good idea. Well, let's walk faster then. Betty took the lead and set the pace. Her short legs were like pistons and I could feel my legs burning to try to keep up with her. The trail slanted up to climb toward the car. Eric pulled up the rear still. I could tell he was getting winded. Every time I glanced back, he was a step or two further behind. Eric said, Betty, hold on a sec. She stopped and turned. For a moment, she blinded me with her headlamp. I flinched. Oh, sorry, David. She changed the angle of her headlamp so it was pointed down to the ground again, then said, What's wrong, Eric? I just need a second, hon. He was breathing hard, and the dim light of the headlamps, I could tell his face was red and he was sweating. Eric was never one for hiking or being outdoors. Mostly, he sat around and played MMORPGs and smoked a lot of weed. Betty shifted from one foot to another. We're almost there, Eric. Right, David? I blinked and looked around for any familiar landmarks, but the fog was so dense and the canopy so thick that I couldn't be sure. I wanted to tell her, yes, I could feel my own heart beating, and it wasn't from the brisk pace. Right, David? She was pleading. I... I don't know. It's hard to tell with the fog, but it can't be much further. Eric sat down on a log just off the side of the trail. Sorry, I just need to catch my breath. Betty's eyes widened, and in the shadows cast by the headlamps and fog, she looked wild and fierce. Get up, Eric. I told you we should have turned around when we first got here. Eric looked up at her, a scowl on his face. Jesus, you're just overreacting. There's nothing out there but shadows. Yeah, it's a little creepy out here, but nothing's going to hurt us. In the fog, just beyond our vision, I caught movement out of the corner of my eye. I turned to get a better look, and my headlamp bounced off the wall of mist just a few dozen feet to the left of Eric. Just beyond it, though, was some form, some image coalescing in the darkness. The fog churned like a tiny tornado. A long, slow, throaty noise came from the same direction, low and guttural like a growl, but also like a piercing whisper. The temperature dropped. My arms and legs felt like ice, and I could see my breath more clearly than I had just a few moments before. Betty's voice shook. Eric, look to your left. She swallowed hard. He did. He pointed his headlamp right toward the thing just through the fog. He fell back and cried out. 
With my eyes locked on the object, I watched it retreat, pull back, leaving only swirling mist. In its place, that strange silence filled the space again, but with occasional sounds of twigs cracking as something with real weight moved away. Eric scrambled back to his feet. What the hell was that? Neither Betty nor I answered. I said, what the hell was that, David? I looked at him. I opened my mouth to say something, but I couldn't form the words. Betty said, who cares what it was? Let's get out of here now. Then the mist swirled again, and on either side of us, two distinct forms appeared, pressing up against the barrier of light and shadow. That same guttural noise rose out of the obscurations, but this time it was on both sides of us. I couldn't move. My legs were stone still. I wanted to move, wanted to run the other way, but it was like in a nightmare where all of time and space seemed to slow down and you couldn't get away from whatever was chasing you. Betty, now seeing the forms on either side, screamed, but this time the objects didn't retreat. They stood still for a moment, and then a third appeared at our rear. They were surrounding Eric. My paralysis broke. Run, Eric, we all have to run now. Betty panicked and ran up the trail toward the car. Eric looked to his left and right and saw what we did, but something in me broke. Terror turned my guts to water, and instead of helping my friend, instead of yanking him forward toward the car and away from those things, I broke and ran myself. In a moment, I was running with every ounce of energy I could muster. Somewhere along the way, I had dropped my towel, but I didn't care. From behind me, Eric said, Shit! They're following us! I can see one of them right behind me! Shit! Shit! I ran harder, but was glad to know that he was just behind me, too. Betty was right. We had to be close now. Two miles wasn't a long distance, and we had already come so far. I could see Betty just ahead of me when the shrieking started. It was a noise that no human could make. It came from every direction, as if we were inside a cave and the fog acted as an echo chamber that bounced the sound in every which way. A sharp pain radiated up my ankle as something caught my foot. I cried out as I fell face first into the damp earth on the trail, smashing my nose against the ground. I looked down and saw a tree root that my foot was stuck in. I rubbed my nose as a little blood escaped my nostrils. Eric came up behind me. Shit, man, you okay? He was winded and taking gulps of air in his lungs and sweat poured down his face. My foot! I tried to move and yelped in pain. Eric stooped and looked closer. Then he untied my shoe. As he pulled it off, I moaned. In response, the shrieks returned. Eric shook. He pulled my foot out as gently as he could and then crammed my shoe back on. He helped me to my feet and I stumbled a bit. I put my weight on my foot and it twinged, but it wasn't too bad. Behind us, one of the things pressed up against the fog. Then the fog moved with it and it came closer. Eric said, holy shit, let's get out of here. I limped as fast as I could and to his credit, Eric didn't leave me behind. He pulled me along as fast as I could move. Betty shouted from the trail, guys, are you there? Eric shouted, yeah, we're coming. David fell. I see the last creepy poster. We're almost there. Come on. As we rounded the bend, I saw Betty standing there in front of the poster. She stared at it. Her face was tense and her eyes wide. She didn't see us come up behind her. So when Eric grabbed her, she jumped and screamed. Eric said, come on, let's get out of here. But she didn't move. She just kept staring. Tears streamed down her face. Oh, God, what does it mean? 
I looked up at the poster and shivered. The strange pale face from before was missing. In its place was something more familiar, but just as terrible. Eric said, No. It was barely above a whisper. Betty glanced up at him, breaking eye contact with the poster. She said, What does it mean, Eric? Nothing. It's a trick or something. David pulled a prank on us. All of this is a goddamn prank. The fog crept up on us. It closed in on three sides. Why would he do that? You did this whole thing, didn't you? There wasn't so much anger as desperation in his voice. I just looked over his shoulder at the poster again without answering him. He shook me harder. I felt the twinge in my ankle and cried out. Eric said, answer me, damn it. The low, growling hiss surrounded us in a chorus. I said, we have to get out of here. Betty wept. He can't. Yes, he can. Come on, Eric, let's go. But Eric didn't move. He stood frozen on the spot. Tendrils of fog licked him like strange corporeal fingers. His face shifted, and as he let go of me, his voice softened. Everything about him changed. He tilted his head to listen to something. I can't leave, David. Do you hear what they're saying? Betty cried louder. No, don't listen. I said, what? What are they saying? They chose me. Betty walked up to him and grabbed his arm and yanked. No, they didn't. You can't. She pounded his chest. The fog reached around his midsection. I took a few steps back away from it. Betty smacked at it, trying to knock it away. She said, no, leave him alone. Leave him be. Eric looked up at me. His eyes were turning gray. The color of the fog. The color of the sky. The color of the poster that now bore his image. Then there was a shriek and the fog wrapped him completely. Betty fell backward and I caught her before she hit the ground. I pulled her away. Eric's form faded and then the three things that had pursued us were around him. Their limbs extended to him and he screamed. Eric shouted one final time, Run! They're hungry! Run! I dragged Betty further from the fog. Betty! She didn't move, didn't say anything. Her petite form hung limp in my arms. I would have dragged her the rest of the way, but I had little strength left. Betty, let's get out of here. Did you hear what they said? Her voice quivered. No, but tell me in the car. Let's get out of here. She shook. I turned to her, looked her in the eyes, and before I knew what I was doing, I kissed her. She kissed me back. It broke her trance. Let's go. Now. We can't leave him, David. We have to. You heard what he said. For a moment, I didn't think she would come. Then she screamed in anger at the fog and turned and ran toward the car. It was only a few dozen yards. I reached down into my pants pocket, hoping and praying that my keys were still there. I checked my right pocket and a cold sensation filled me as I realized where the keys were. Shit! Betty looked up at me. What? The keys, they were in Eric's bag. She blinked for a moment, trying to register what I said. No, I... I grabbed them out earlier. You did? 
She reached down between her cleavage and pulled out the keys. Yes, when we were getting changed, he dropped the keys, and I said, I better put them somewhere where they won't get lost. A wave of relief passed over me. She unlocked the car, handed me the keys, and we got in. Part 2 We had driven nearly two hours before the sun peeked over the horizon. Neither of us had said a word, but the further away we got from the hot springs, the lighter we felt. Betty broke the silence. Did you hear the voices? I took my eyes off the road and looked at her. She trembled. I reached my right hand over and took hers. She gripped it tight. No, I didn't hear voices, just those strange hissing noises. My eyes returned to the road. She leaned against me, putting her head on my shoulder and wrapping her arms around my midsection. Then she wept. After she stopped, I said, What did they say? She didn't answer. I thought she never might. I thought maybe it was better I never knew. They were angry with him. For what? The poster he tore down. I told him he shouldn't have touched it. But I've never seen those posters there before, not ever. She didn't reply. Do you think we should call the police? Still no reply. Part 3 An hour later, we got back to the apartment. I walked inside and Betty followed. She went to the bathroom. I went straight to my room and sat down on my bed. I put my head in my hands. I didn't even know where to begin processing what just happened to me. I knew we should probably call the police, but I didn't know how to explain any of this. Betty screamed. I jumped up and ran to Eric's room. What is... But I never finished my sentence. Betty lay curled in a ball in the center of Eric's room where his bed should have been. None of his things were there. The room was empty. Every bit of trash or poster or scrap of food that were normally in his room were missing. There were no marks in a carpet where the bed had been only the night before. I walked over and picked Betty up. She lay limp in my arms. I wasn't a strong man, but I managed to get her on my bed. I pulled the covers up over her and tucked her in. I went back into Eric's room and then the bathroom and then the kitchen. I looked for any sign he had ever been here. There was none, not a single item of his remaining. I wondered for a moment if we had been robbed, but dismissed it immediately. My TV and Xbox were still there, and why would thieves take only what he had and every item he owned? I returned to my room and sat on the end of the bed. Betty lay on her back, staring at the ceiling. She said, They erased him. I chuckled, but it wasn't because it was funny. I'm not kidding. They said they would. They? Those things. They. But that's impossible. What time is it, David? I looked at the alarm clock. 9.30. Call his work. Ask for him. What? Why? Just do it. You'll see. I grabbed my phone off the desk, googled the number for the coffee shop where Eric worked, and called. It took only a minute for someone to answer to tell me I must have the wrong number, that no one by that name worked there. I hung up, apologizing. Betty said, He's gone. Forever. But how? I don't know. She cried again. I stood to leave and give her some space. 
As I walked out the door, she said, Don't leave. Stay with me. I turned. Okay. She lifted the covers. Hold me, David. Please. I took off my shoes and climbed in. I spooned her for a time as she cried. After a while, she turned around and buried her head in my chest and fell asleep. Soon after, I fell asleep. Part 4 For the next several days and nights, we didn't leave the house. Betty was supposed to get on a flight home to end her vacation and go back to her life and her job, but she refused to leave. Soon, our time in bed became something more than just comfort. Somehow, that seemed to give us both a sense of normalcy. But when we slept, the nightmares came. We shared them. We saw that place again, the spring where Eric disappeared forever. We saw those terrible posters, but instead of the stranger, they had Eric's face on them. Sleep eluded both of us. One morning, Betty woke and said, I know how to stop the dreams. How? We have to go back. Her answer didn't surprise me. Something felt undone. That day, we drove back into the mountains. Betty sat with me in the car. She sketched as we drove for hours in the sunlight. We both knew what needed to be done, how we had to end this. It didn't matter if someone else met the same fate as Eric. We just needed to be free of the nightmares, free of the terrible shrieks in our dreams. We parked the car, stepped out, and I grabbed the staple gun. We walked past the sign welcoming us to Warm Springs and hurried down the trail. We knew we had to make it out before dark, or else we might see a familiar face. Quickly, we found the first sign and pulled it down. It was the old face, the one before Eric. Even in the daylight, those gray eyes made me shiver. Sap oozed from the tree as the staples ripped free, like blood congealing. Betty lifted the poster, and I stapled it. I marked every edge with a staple, like teeth biting into the tree. I stepped back and looked at our handiwork. The sign read, Have you seen me? Eric Reynolds was last seen on this trail on the night of June 13th. If you have any leads to his whereabouts, please contact Betty Watson. Betty didn't leave contact information. Between the words was a picture of Eric, a perfect sketch from Betty's memory. But the gray eyes in the photo were not Eric's. They were the things that lived in this woods, the things that had taken him. The gray eyes watched as we backed away. It may have been a trick of the light, but I swear those eyes followed us. I looked at Betty and said, Come on, twelve more to go, and we only have three hours till sunset. We walked on along the trail, but the fog was already setting in, and the sky grew darker. That ends Michael Kilman's Warm Springs. Michael Kilman is an anthropologist and author of the science fiction series The Chronicles of the Great Migration. When he isn't writing, he's working lecturing at the University of Colorado at Denver and working on his YouTube series, Anthropology in 10 or Less. I will have links to Michael's work on my website. 
You can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at leadvillelaurel.com. If you'd like more information about sharing your short story or flash fiction on the Alligator Preserves podcast, email me at laurel at strackpress.com and follow me on Twitter at leadvillelaurel. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with my latest episodes and tell your friends about it. I hope you'll help support Alligator Preserves on Patreon. Check out the rewards you'll receive at patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves. And join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. Until then, beware of what lurks in the fog. Bye.